This is an ABC podcast. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Ah, my favourite hour of the week. Good morning, WA and Sabrina. Good morning, Christine. You are looking absolutely <laughs> splendid this morning. Now, if our if hips. our viewers could only see, she's looking a little bit like a female version of Dr. Carl this morning. Oh, it is. Yep. So I've got a, mm. a button-up t-shirt dress on that looks like somebody got a blower and pointed into Jackson Pollock's paint palette. <laughs> so I've d- it's a paint splatter dress, along with our oh. Pride and Diversity rainbow lanyard in yeah. honour of Mardi Gras in Sydney tonight. It's the f- 41st event. And that, my friend, I have to say, just melts into your frock top, <laughs> your I frock top. I'm very rainbow today. Very yeah. Rainbow. How are you? You had a good night. Exceptionally good. I uh, Yeah, so I caught up with a, a colleague last night, Jamie Burnett. Yes. and uh, Spoke to him earlier on the show. Yeah, We got that pop-up bar in Fremantle yeah. right on the wharf. Right on the wharf. Smack bang on the water. And it was because the morning didn't start so sensationally for an outdoor, because it rained in the morning and then it was oh, quite windy. But by beer drinking time, which was, for me, five o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> um, the wind had dropped down, the river was calm, the Lewin was parked right next to the pop-up bar. Beautiful. And it was most glorious sunset. You could not have got a better venue for sucking down liquids, yeah, very I reckon. Nice. But it was great because uh, there were two DJs doing whatever DJs do and play the music that <laughs> I don't listen to. you were up the front, to. of course. Oh, I was in the mosh pit. Um, <laughs> so, no, we were sitting outside uh, where you could view the... I actually really... That's what I love about Fremantle. It's still a working harbour. Mm. The sheep ship was directly across from us, but oh, there were... <laughs> No, it was empty. Okay. So there were no borders on board. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's actually, I really love that that kind of, you know, you're in a, in, in a beautiful urban setting, but it's still a working city. And, of course, the, the harbour, the port, is such an important part of the history of Fremantle. Mm. So I think it's wonderful that we still have a working port there. Yeah. For the people that live right there when the sheep ships come in and go out, it's perhaps not as pleasant for them. No, not when you're drinking beer, but, you know, <laughs> you just have a few more and then you can't That's smell exactly. Right. What are you doing for the long weekend? Let us know. 0437922720. We've got phone lines free as well. So give us a call. 1300222720. Marie is in Como. Good morning, Hello. Marie. Yes, good morning. Morning, Marie. What can we Hello, do for you? How are you? Oh, good. What can we That's do for lovely. you this morning? I've only got a small question. I'm having trouble getting my calla lilies. They're in pots yeah. um, to flower. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Maria. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, yes. So there, I got lots of leaves, but um, and only one flower. Okay. Okay, so calla lilies are, are very tropical, Marie, so they like lots of humidity and you're going to have to, they, they work really well if you put them in a pot, in inside a pot, an in indoor pot, where there's still a little bit of water at the bottom so that they're constantly moist and it raises the humidity. So, um, so the thing is to do that and then get half... 
you get half strength liquid fertiliser in a spray bottle and you spray them with that once a fortnight and that improves their flowering. Very good. 1300 720. Uh, Joy got in very early on oh, the Oh, good on line. you, Joy. Um, can you please tell me what this is in its treatment? Um, it's an avocado tree. Mm-hmm. Also, is it appropriate to cut the top of the tree and when to do it? It's around 25 Meters tall, um, and we can see a branch, and it looks like it's almost got um, scale styrofoam, or yeah. um, you know, when you open a fire extinguisher. Oh, and yeah, you, you get all it. the foamy stuff. Mm. Yes, well, unfortunately, that uh, foamy stuff is not really a good sign. So, there's a couple of things that cause that. There's a spittle bug. Um, or a fungus. Now, where the foam is emerging, there's long black streaks, which is not a good sign. So whenever you get that on an avocado, you see these long black bits and then you get this foamy stuff on top. That's uh, You could have a combination of a fungus and a sap-sucking soft-bodied scale. You need to cut those off and you need to spray the avocado tree with an anti-rot. Okay. She said it's around two and a half metres tall now and it's doubled in size in 18 months. Yeah, because this is their big growing period. So, Ah. But you've got to get rid of that. Get rid of the rot, I say. Yeah. Cut the rot. Drop the rot. Yep. Emma, good morning. What's your question for Sabrina? (gasps) Emma. Oh, hang on. No, is she there? Are you there, Emma? Knock, knock, knock. No, once there. We'll pop Emma back on hold and we'll come for Emma. Is actually on this line. Okay. (laughs) Hello, Emma. Let's start that again. You know what? Um, Hi. Yeah, we'll just pretend that the last 20 seconds didn't happen. How are you going? What's happening with your cooch? Look, I'm a hooch with too much cooch. It's taking over my garden and I don't know what to do. I would move, Emma, because it's the greatest mongrel thing to get rid of. Um, so is it through all the garden beds and stuff? Yeah, so I can whippersnipper it when it's growing amongst the actual grass. Yeah. But it's coming up into the garden beds and yeah. I'm pulling it out, but I can never get all the roots. Never, ever, ever, ever attempt to pull cooch out because basically oh. what you're doing is you're giving it a signal to make more stolons underground that come up. There is a selective herbicide that kills only grasses. It's fusillade. Okay. Yeah. Now, it only kills grasses, so don't use it on the lawn because the lawn is grass, but you can use it in your garden beds and it just kills the cooch but leaves all the other plants alone. Although the hooch oh, with too much cooch sounds like a great fringe show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll work on it for next year's program. Uh, I think that you should embrace that. Yeah, thank you, Emma. Thank you so much. 1300 720. Uh, Steve in Albany, good morning. Um, we have a lime that's been in for five years with no flowers. Any suggestions? Ah, well, it's suffering gravely from a manganese and iron deficiency. How can it's you tell? Got uh, because it's got green veins, mm. the veins are green, the leaf is yellow, but it's the where the yellow leaves form, where the yellow spots form in the leaves. So that's classic uh, manganese deficiency and iron deficiency with the with the the general yellowing. Um, now I don't know what sort of a lime tree that is, but it. Uh, it's it looks more like a lime shrub so it must be a dwarf lime you've got cooch all around it which is not going to be good for the lime tree 
You need to clear the cooch out. Now, lime trees notoriously won't won't fruit for five years. That's quite normal. I would under prune the lower branches. I'd change a fertilizer regime to one that's got uh, certainly got higher levels of iron, magnesium, manganese, iron, and sulfur, um, and that should do the trick. Or you can get or and in conjunction with uh, get a foliar feed. So trace elements is a foliar spray on the leaf tissue and I'm making I'm doing signs in front of you for some unknown you look like reason. The window washers at yeah. the lights who I desperately try and avoid eye contact with. Um, Jan is in Harvey. Good morning Jan. Good morning. Morning I Jan. Have problems with our pear tree yeah. well, for the last couple of years. They look perfectly okay on the outside but when we cut them they're all brown and mushy inside. Okay, mm. so that's brown rot. I'm presuming it's brown rot and not fruit fly. There's no maggots in there. No, no. Okay, so it might be a bit late to do anything now, Jan. Yes, yes. But this winter you mm. give all your pear trees a copper-based spray. Uh-huh. So you can get liquid copper which is much easier to apply than the powdered form, mm-hmm. um, and spray the entire tree. So if you do that midwinter and then do it again before bud burst. All right. Uh, Phil is in Mullaloo. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. Morning, Phil. Morning. Um, I've got two questions. First question it concerns a dwarf mulberry tree. Yeah. It's about um, two to three years old. And we've netted it and it's about three to four metres high. Yeah. The next stage is I, I need to train it to to cascade over. Yes. Do I just rope, uh, secure the top and then put bricks on the ends to, to get it to grow naturally or do yep. I clip it? Or? No, don't clip it. You're better off having as much uh, stem growth as possible and putting weights on the end is a really good idea, Phil. Because it great, so the longer the limb, the better. Because it, you, you don't want them coming off at um, directly at ninety degree angles. It needs to come up a bit, otherwise you cut too much of the sap flow. Oh. So weight it at the end. Drop them. You know, gra- you can gradually add the weight so that it gradually drops the limb down. Okay. Um, and the other thing that the growers use are things called spacers. So they're they're um, pieces of wood that have got uh, U-shapes cut out of them that they push in between the branch and the trunk. So you can do either. Um, I, I think I might do both. Yeah, can, why not? Um, that's that one. Now, we've had some work done at the back of the, uh, at the, back of the garden and we've just planted plum, a plum tree down there. Yeah. And... It's approximately two metres high mm. and we have a 1.8 metre wall. Mm. It's on a west-facing wall. Obviously, mm. in Mullaloo, it's getting, it will get some of the sea air. Yep. But, but what's happened is something is attacking the leaves, but it only attacks the leaves above... A the, certain the, height. The, the wall, yeah, the wall height. Okay. All right. So what you need to do, Phil, is you need to go out there at night time with a torch and see what's coming. If it's uh, above the wall, then uh, it can be things like rats that eat foliage, certainly going to eat your plums. Uh, it, it, can, it can also be flying beetles 
that are getting up there and chewing or pear and cherry slug, which also a check. They could should call it a plum pear cherry slug because... It's one of those. It's 17 minutes past nine on ABC Radio Perth and WA with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton. Just an update. Uh, there was a fire in the Shire of Esperance. It was at emergency warning level. That's now been downgraded to a watch and act. So that's for Howick, uh, Boyatup and Cape Arid. Uh, so it's... Still uh, a threat to lives and homes, so you do still need to leave or get ready to actively defend the fire started near Maryvale Road and Exchange Road. So if you're heading that way, particularly as part of the long weekend, uh, you'll need to go to the DFES website, dfes.wa.gov.au or emergency.wa.gov.au just to keep an eye on that fire and we will bring you updates throughout the show as it goes on. There's a few roads closed, Maryvale Road, Fisheries Road and Bal- Caledonia Road and the safest route to leave is via Fisheries Road in a westerly direction towards Esperance. In terms of campsites that are closed, Alexander Bay, Kennedy's Beach and Cape Arid National Park uh, and there are other closures in place as well. Uh, firefighters are out there strengthening containment lines at the moment. Local farmer units are assisting uh, volunteer and career services. So they're doing a great job out there. We'll have some more updates for you in news at this stage, over a thousand hectares have been burnt. So oh. there were, I think this morning I saw there were maybe five or six advice fires as well. Um, yeah. So a bit going on out that way. As our um, mornings presenter Poppy Penny put in her email yesterday, everything is on fire yeah. out that way. So it's been quite serious. It's so. and a lot of people head down, particularly to Cape Arid for the long weekend. And mm, mm, yeah, so. definitely, we'll keep you updated. Zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Or give us a call. Bernie is in Stelling. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Sabrina. Morning, Bernie. Uh, could you tell me if I use glyphosate mm-hmm. on a, a weed? Yes. Uh, does that affect the ground? Can I plant something there after that? Uh, I would leave it a little while, Bernie. Um, the uh, the active constituent glyphosate certainly does. We know it does have an effect on the microbial life of. Uh, fungi and bacteria in the soil. So uh, I would leave it for about four weeks before you plant anything in there, Bernie. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, thank you. Too easy. Uh, Bella on the text line, good morning. How do I kill a morning glory vine? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Bella, you are in strife. Sounds like this is bringing up memories for you. Why? What are they? I don't know. Okay, so the morning glory is an ipomia vine. It's a tropical vine. It has a beautiful, large blue flower and it will cover kilometres and so if your neighbour has it next door and they're not controlling it where the root system is, the next five houses around it will get morning glory because the the flowers only open under sunlight so so these beautiful large blue flowers open up when the sun comes up, hence the morning glory thing. But in actual fact they're a nightmare. So getting rid of them is extremely difficult and you have to do a kind of a multi-pronged approach with your neighbours because the root system will be through everything. You can cut it down right at ground level and then paint it with blackberry tree killer and kerosene. Paint the actual where you've cut it, the stump or the 
stem. But you will have to be persistent with that and you will have to talk to your neighbours because it will. if you control your side, it's going to be on their side as well. It'll take about five years. Wow, five years, yeah, really? Sorry. Not a quick fix? No oh. quick fix. We're the old morning. The morning glory, it just carries on. <laughs> Roger said, I have 24 blueberry bushes along my drive mm. which need to be taken out so I can put them in a new water, put in a new water pipe, sorry, and put them back in. Any hints to look after them? Wow, fancy being brave enough to put them along a driveway. <laughs> um, I where, don't know. where do you live, Roger? I don't know where you live, Roger, but geez, uh, unless it's down in Denmark or mm. uh, I don't know, and it's nice and uh, moist. Yeah. If you live, Roger, if you're anywhere in the metropolitan area, um, apart from up in the hills, I would dig them up and put them in large pots and keep them in large pots because they don't like full sun in the summer. Um, and they'll need some shelter. They need slightly acidic soil. They need regular feeding and lots of water in summer. Right. So get some good potting mix, pop them in there. Um, let us know where you live, Roger, and whether your driveway cops the sun because it ain't going to be good for your blueberries. Mm, 1300 222720. Jilly is on the line. Hello. Hi. Hey, Jilly. Um, <laughs> Hi, Sabrina. I've got a problem with my lime tree. Mm-hmm. Um, we had beautiful fruit up until this year. Yeah. And now the fruit is like um, very pimply. The, the skin is wrinkled. Okay. Right, right from, from when they're little. And then they're very, very big fruit, but, but you lose skin almost, you know? With, oh, loose skin. Well, it's not particularly, it's not like the loose-skin lemon. No, okay. So there's a couple of things it may be. It can be mites. So there's um, a citrus mite that does damage when the fruit's quite small and it attacks the developing skin and then you end up with this strange sort of mottled kind of look yeah, to it yeah, yeah so so it's probably citrus mite um you can use powdered sulfur for them okay and uh that knocks them off um, Will I be able to see them no they're microscopic jilly okay, okay um okay. you can only see where they've been uh, <laughs> and and what they've done so yeah. um you you can get dusting sulfur and that sorts okay. them out um, and apparently, now I've not tried it, but diatomaceous earth, in which you mix up with water and spray on the fruit. The problem is, Jilly, that it happens when the fruit's quite small. So by the time the fruits develop, they've usually buggered off. Mm, so give it a go now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 1300 Lyle is in Qdale. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning. Oh, hi, ladies. Uh, I was ringing up regarding, uh, we bought some succulents and I was just wondering if you had any advice as to how to look after those. Yep. Now, the thing is, Lyle, is that some succulents like full sun and others will not take full sun. They'll only, they only like morning sun. So depending upon which, do you know what the succulents are? Um, we've got some various ones. We've got string of pearls. Um, okay, so string of pearls will take full sun or part shade. Are you putting them outdoors or indoors? 
Um, those ones we thought, the string of pearls we thought we'd put out in like hanging. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Perfect. They'll take full sun, no problem at all. What else you got? I'm not sure, like little spiky ones. Okay, so the things to be aware of, Lyle, the ones that look like a beautiful rosette, um, like the Semper Vivens, things that look like sort of a a pretty thick foliaged um, cauliflower or that kind of thing, they will not take... They will not take full day sun, so they prefer shade. Um, so only morning sun. I love that you're even asking because people who tend to buy succulents are those who are entry-level gardeners <laughs> and know that they can't really kill them like myself. And the string of pearls is very trendy at the moment. I don't yeah. know whether you've seen in all the home opens yeah, yeah, and display yeah, yeah, homes yeah. And, and, yeah. and interior design. Everyone's using them because yeah. they're so... They're, unkillable They're lovely. what they are. Aren't they're they're, un- they're yeah, unkillable. They're unkillable. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> all right, Lyle, with your succulents, if they have a thick, fleshy leaf, like string of pearls has a round, fleshy leaf, but any any of your succulents that have a thick, fleshy leaf are usually pretty tough and will take a fair bit of sun. Do not... The reason people kill succulents is they overwater mm. because, of course, that leaf tissue stores all the moisture. You're too generous, Lyle. So, so Lyle, ease off on the... And the only thing that affects them, apart from rotting from too much water, is scale. So as soon as you see some white, fluffy little stuff... Um, that's probably the juvenile form of scale. So you need to get yourself a botanical oil and then you spray it as soon as you see it. Yeah, all right. String of pearls looks a bit like string of peas. It always makes me want to eat vegetables or roast. It looks a bit like that, doesn't it? Um, and I just want to it touch does. it. It does. I know. And they so those little pearl things drop off all the time. Mm. Um, they're just... Uh, you know, being but they're a senecio plant, so all the senecio line of plants are indestructible. So if you have a string of pearls and you knock some of the pearls off, mm. what you do is you just pick those up and you push them into the soil halfway, yeah. So that half is sticking out of the soil and the other half is under, and voila, you have another plant. Really? Mm. Look at that. 1300 Hello, Tina from Mandra. How are you going? Hi, not too bad, thanks. Look, I've got a bit of a problem mm-hmm. with my apple tree. Yeah? It's looking so sad. Oh. <laughs> Tell us, how sad? It's about five, six years old. It has done absolutely nothing. It's still the same height. Oh. It has got three apples on it. But the leaves are sort of curled up and there's not many leaves on it. It's right. It's about four, five foot tall. Yep. Um, you know what, Tina, is it one of the dwarf apples? I don't think so. I think it's supposed to be. It's a, um, the green ones. Um, Granny Smith? Smith. Yeah, Granny, Granny Smith. Smith. Um, you know what, Tina, I would this winter, when the apple's dormant... Yep. Uh, make sure it goes into full dormancy so you just rip all its leaves off. Dig it up and replant it with getting some clay and some compost and some slow-release fertiliser and a wetting agent and replant it. Oh. Can you get someone to give you a hand to do that? I'll find someone. <laughs> good yeah. girl, good girl. I think that's going to make a huge difference, Tina. So that's clay, compost. Yep. Um 
clay compost, some a, some wetting agent and slow release fertiliser for fruit trees. Thank you, Tina. 1300 222 Every show I noticed there's a bit of a theme. There was one show that we had a lot of calls from Kalgoorlie. Mm. Uh, today I think there's a lot of there's a lot of dwarf fruit. There is, isn't there? Yeah, because yeah. we've, we've got another one and then we'll go to your song for the week. This is Marilyn in Bustleton. Hello, Marilyn. Hi, how you going? Yeah, good, Marilyn. Sabrina, I've got a, um, three small dwarf citrus trees that are only a year old and yeah. I, they're, they're in an area that's getting too much shade and I was wondering if I could or when I could move them into a sunnier position. You can do that, I reckon, in about two weeks' time, Marilyn. Excellent. It's it's the best time to do it while it's still warm but not stinking hot. Do I have to cut them back or anything? They're still only very young. No, they should be fine. If they're only little fellows, then, yep, they'll transplant very well. Good stuff. Thanks, Marilyn. Uh, this text, uh, I planted two passion fruit vines about three weeks apart at the start of December. I know they are voracious feeders. Mm. Um, have been adding a liquid fertiliser about once a week and added cow manure at planting and once more what other feeding do i need to continue and these are the photos okay so oh they're looking healthy little things they've got a beautiful big fence to climb up which is sensational now you are right they are voracious feeders and you have to remember that when you fertilize you fertilize along the entire root run so all along that fence line even though you can't see where the passion fruit's going yet it will go there get a fertilizer that's a mineral based fertilizer because it's going to need everything it's going to need every kind of mineral to produce fruit then um, I would put some compost on top of the whole planting strip because it's only a narrow strip that they're in um, liquid fertilizer at this time of the year. The liquid, the cow manure is fine, but it doesn't have all the minerals in it that the passion fruit requires. So, mineral-based fertilizer, compost on top, pea hay, lucerne, or lupin as a mulch along the base, and they should be cranking. Yes. Roots and shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Let's do your song pick of the week, Sabrina. What have you chosen for us? Well, you know, back in my younger days, Christine. You mean now. You mean now. I used to go and see the Hoodoo Gurus quite a bit. Anyway, they were playing here last week or the week before. Anyway, very recently. So I thought, let's have a little bit of hoodoo gurus, shall we? This is a good long weekend tune as well, a thousand miles away. Give us a call, 1300 222720. Estimated time of arrival, 9.30am. Been up before the sun and now I'm tired before I even begin. Now you're flying I got so much work in front of me Really flying It stretches out far as the eye can see I can see Spend half my life in airports Doing crosswords or attempting to sleep when the bar is open, then you'll often find the warming a seat. Now you're flying. I never find a place where I can stay. Really flying. 
I'd rather be a thousand miles away thousand miles away the week she was doing mad air guitar written in 1991 <laughs> from the b-side i think you know that one was written by dave faulkner yeah as well. i know mm. he's a legend he's so good 1300 720 give us a call uh to chat to sabrina um we've had a few people patiently waiting thank mm. you lynn from greenwood good morning good morning thank you for taking my call i have a 17 year old mango tree that's about 10 foot tall yeah um, that always gives us a good crop. But this year in about June, it's got flowers all over it. So I went on the internet and they said, no, no, too early, break them off. So I went around, broke them all off, and yep. they grew again. Yep. Uh, just to spite me, they all grew again. But the mangoes have got a good crop. 
I would, Lynn. Do you know what? Uh, there's all sorts of strange things occurring with our weather patterns and it, timing more than anything. So we call it climate creep. So remember this: we had a really warm start to winter, and um, and then we got late rains, and then so the plants thought they were in spring, which is why they all flowered. Right. So I don't know if this is going to be a normal occurrence of change in weather patterns or. But I think what we all need to do as gardeners is we need to go, okay, the plant probably knows more than what we do (laughs) and we'll adjust much faster than we do adjust to changes in climate. So I I think we're better off actually leaving the flowers on just as a scientific experiment to see exactly what happens if that fruit... Because the problem is... You know, with the your mangoes are only small, and we may still get a really warm autumn, so they may mature. But it's sort of, you know, we've got nothing to base it on, really. No, that's right. But if it happens again next year, Lynn, leave the flowers on and just see what happens. Right, I will. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Very Thank much. you. Thanks, Thanks, Lynn. Uh, on the text line from Dave, where can I get a Morton Bay fig? Now, if if my memory serves me correctly. I think at primary school we had a big, beautiful one in in the school grounds, and yep. it was filled with ladybirds. Yeah. And I loved it because I'd yeah. go and collect them, and then they'd do this little orange poo on me. But that was another story. <laughs> I shouldn't have been catching them. But yeah, I, I don't know whether that's a thing with Morton Bay figs or not. But um, well, ladybirds will find a place to nest where it's close to a food source. Oh, so, so it was less about the tree and more about yeah, the Yeah, it's school. got nothing to do with the tree because they eat insects, oh, basically. Not my lunch. Okay. N- not your lunch. Oh. They're not... Int- and it, unless you had a whole pile of... If you had an aphid sandwich <laughs> or, or a scale banana sandwich, they might have been interested. <laughs> Tasty. So but, where would you get one in Perth? Okay, so you can get Morton Bay figs uh, from... There's a couple of tree farms well one in particular that i know has morton bay figs as mature trees they're quite slow growing you can of course grow them from a cutting so if a branch falls on you when you're sitting in a park where there's lots of morton bay figs you need to make sure that branch is <laughs> at least <laughs> at least 40 centimetres <laughs> in length um, and has four nodes and then you plant said branch 50% in the ground, 50% out of the ground and you have a Morton Bay fig tree if there's a particular form of branch that falls on you that you quite like <laughs> that one. But there is... Um, so out at Wanneroo, there's a tree farm and they do have some beautiful big specimens of Morton Bay fig trees. Lisa from Albany on the text line has asked about the best way to thin out her quarter line. Mm. Um, can I just work from the outside? Now, I bought some of these to go out the front of my old oh, yes. property thinking they'd be really nice and decorative yes. and then they grew this massive stalk. Flowering stalk. Just, yeah. yeah, took over the place. Mm, mm. Um, but, yeah, what, what, what's your answer to that? Now, to with cordylines, you can't do that. You can't just attack from the outside and go in. Mm. Unfortunately, you have to dig up the cordyline and you've got to be very gentle when you prise it apart. So you can't do the sort of 
division that I usually do where I use a tomahawk. Uh-uh, not on the quarter line, Christine. Won't do it any good at all. So it's too hot to do it now. You're going to have to leave it until uh, April. So you dig it up and you pull the you pull it apart basically and it'll it takes it doesn't take too much effort um and then you have to replant it immediately but they divide up really well okay uh damien from bridgetown has a question about how to kill a tree of heaven good morning damien ah damien Uh, what i like to call the tree of hell absolutely (laughs) so many misleading names i know they call it a tree of heaven because it grows in about I don't know. One day it's already four metres high. Um, yeah, it's a shocking thing. And they sucker everywhere, don't they, Damon? Oh, absolutely terrible. Yeah, what can I do about it? Oh, I thought you were. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us how to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> what have okay. you tried? <laughs> okay, so um, as you know, Damien, they sucker everywhere. So the trick is to cut them down. Now, this is going to be, this isn't going to be, uh, you just do it once and walk away. This, unfortunately, is going to be uh, time consuming because glyphosate has no effect on them at all. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to cut them down to the ground. 40% blackberry and tree killer, 60% kerosene, and you paint it immediately. And for every single sucker that rears its ugly head, you can actually spray that on the leaves, being careful not to get it on anything else because that will kill everything it touches. Um, But that works really effectively and particularly if you can get the mother plant. Do you know, is it, you know, have you got like an acre of it or something? Yeah, it's... um it's an entire uh, backyard of a house that um, hasn't been touched. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it, it goes everywhere. It's just incredible. Yeah. It's a jungle. Okay, so what I would start with first, Damien, is cutting all those shoots down to the ground level. You have a little glass jar with a paintbrush in it and that 40-60, so 40% blackberry tree killer, 60% kerosene, you paint them immediately. Right. And that prevents those ones from coming back. But, of course, there will still be others that come up. All right. 1300 I Have a quick listen to this. Hi, I'm Gillian O'Shaughnessy. This week we're putting on our sunscreen and bathers and heading out to the northern suburbs. Come and find us at Hillary's Boat Harbour. We'll be broadcasting live today. Meet Sabrina. Ask your gardening questions. Meet Slim but Savage. Only if I can have fish and chips. (laughs) And I'll be there too. This week on ABC Radio Perth and WA. You'll be stealing the chips from from, uh, Slim, won't you? Absolutely, I will. (laughs) So it should be fun, Christine. I'm looking forward to it. Haven't uh, haven't been down to Hillary's Boat Harbour for a while, but um, I do believe there's the odd bit of fish and chips that that will go down a treat. And people can bring their specimens yes. to you, of course. I bring mean, out your dead and dying, yeah. I say to you all. <laughs> bring out your dead and dying, not your rallies, just plant material. <laughs> Terry is in Safety Bay. Good morning, Terry. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. No, uh, pleasure. Yes, we're, we're keen to plant a, an avocado tree in the backyard. Yeah. But a bit, bit concerned about the size because they grow quite large. Yep. If we were to keep it uh, trimmed, say, uh, just uh, half, the, half the height, yep. um, 
is that going to affect the uh, the trees to produce fruit? Or yep, certainly uh, will, Terry. And you will not be able to do that. I can tell you right now. So, uh, no, no, don't, no, no. It's all good, Terry. Okay. So, what you need to do is you need to get the dwarf avocado trees. Oh, there is such a thing, is there? There is indeed. So, there yeah. is what's called a semi-dwarf has, H-A-S-S. Yes. And there's another dwarf dwarf, which is only a little tacker, which you can put right next door to it, which right. is called Wurtz, W-U-R-T-Z. Dwarf dwarf. Wurtz. Okay. So the dwarf dwarf worts is really dwarf because it only gets to about three metres and the oh, semi-dwarf has will only get to about six. Oh, nice. Yeah, so okay. they they should suit you perfectly, Terry. Very good. Thanks for the call. I like this text from Catherine and you did say this would happen but I've not seen it yet in action. She Ooh. said, Christine and Sabrina, I'm thinking we should have another weekly segment just for fruit trees. Hashtag I'm getting bored. There we go. <laughs> Throw us some shade. Throw us some shade. Uh, very good. Zero four three seven. We'll do that, Christine. We'll bring in. We'll bring in. Um, well, what what we can do is we can we can go for you know we'll do stone fruit. Then we'll do evergreen fruit. We're not going to have any bloody lemon I tree think, questions. I think Catherine was joking. Ah. Oh. <laughs> But we need to do that. We'll bring we in some fruit tree experts to talk about all sorts of whatever happens with fruit trees. <laughs> Give us a call, 1300 222720. I must do this first, though. ABC Radio, bushfire information. Just a quick update because we are statewide at the moment. That Bushfire Watch and Act is still in place for people in an area bounded by Fisheries Road to the north, Cape Arid National Park to the east, the coast to the south and Exchange Road to the west and surrounding areas in parts of Howick, Boatup, uh, Boyatup, I should say, and Cape Arid in the Shire of Esperance. So it's been downgraded from emergency level as the fire behaviour has reduced, but there is still a possible threat to lives and homes. You need to get ready to actively defend. Stay alert and monitor your surroundings, of course. Drive with caution due to smoke in the area. And there are a number of roads closed, including Maryvale Road, Fisheries Road and Balladonia Road. If you need to leave, the safest route is to leave via Fisheries Road in a westerly direction towards Esperance. Um, but motorists are advised to reduce speed and drive carefully. Uh, there will be more updates for local radio as the day goes on. If you want to see the full notice, go to emergency.wa.gov.au. It is 13 minutes to nine. Give us a call, 1300 Maz is in Winthrop. Hello, Maz. Hi, how you doing? I've got um, a hair patch uh, where I grow my basil and mint and tarragon, etc. Every now and again, I get attacked by um, these um, caterpillar-like things, and they come in almost overnight, obliterate the patch. Um, because the hair patch, I don't want to use any strong chemicals. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations, please? Absolutely, Maz. There is a, there's two fantastic products that organic gardeners use because it only kills caterpillars, doesn't kill anything else. Right. So both of them actually are a bacteria. So um, I can't give you product names, but one has, a, has Bacillus thuringiensis, which you'll never remember. The other one has a bacteria called <laughs> Spinosad, S-P-I-N-O-S-A-D, that's the active ingredient. If you go to a nursery, Mads, and yep. you say you want a caterpillar-specific spray for right. your veggies, 
they will give you the right stuff. And this is nothing against your memory, Maz. It's just no. one of those words. Isn't it's, it? it's just, no, I, this I, is I the challenge. <laughs> yeah, nope, that. So yeah. I never expect anyone to remember bacteria <laughs> names. Um, but ten, ten points if you do, though. But there's no withholding p- period on those, Maz. And don't forget, those caterpillars are usually on the underneath of the leaf. So if you can get underneath the the, the leaf, that's even better. But that will that'll sort your problem out, Maz. Someone who is going to impress us with their lingo is John from Vig Park. Ah. Good morning, John. Morning, Good morning, John. Good. Hi, Sabrina. I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, Darla, can you solve... Uh, we're having an argument with my family. My sister wanted me to do her lawn, so I did the usual urea, sulfate of ammonia, watered it in. Yeah. Now, she reckons, she reckons I've killed her silver lady. The fern? So, no, the silver lady, the gum, you know, the fish. Ah, okay. Well, I... Uh, I hate. I what hate what to was t- this word that you told our producer? Is it sulfate amania? <laughs> That's what she's written. Sulfate of it. Yeah, right. I was looking at sulfate amania. Amania. Thinking. Sounds like made, a perfume. It sounds like a designer, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. um, now, John, the bad news for you is you've put urea and sulfate of ammonia on, which is yep. right. Really fast release nitrogen. Too so much nitrogen. way too much, my friend. So he is guilty. Well, let's just say if it was in front of a jury, yes, you would be on oh, the really? noose. It's quite a big one. It's about Doesn't three matter. four metres high. Oh, Doesn't really? matter, John. Is it looking sickly now? Oh, yeah. It's oh. <gasps> John. John. Is, is your sister listening? No, well, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, you listen oh, to no. me very carefully. Yeah. Um, putting urea on lawn is there are far better fertilizers. So what you've done is you've given the lawn a massive boost of nitrogen that has released very quickly. The lawn will be looking green as green. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and it'll, <laughs> and it'll be growing really well. But for native plants, don't forget their root system will be all underneath that lawn. So you've really double-dosed the old gum tree. Um, so You meant well, though. Yeah. So the, the thing is that that stuff leaches out very quickly, which is not so good for our for our underground water anyway. Get yourself a decent fertiliser that's got phosphorus and potassium plus... As in an NKP or that sort of thing? No, as in something that's got everything in it, John. Get a good... There is fertiliser, there's lawn fertiliser that has very low levels of phosphorus, in fact, some have none because you don't need it because your lawn's got a root system. It's got low, slow-release nitrogen, which is what they need, and it's got oh. potassium, iron, manganese, magnesium, sulphur, all those other sorts of things that will keep the lawn really, really healthy. So oh. put your urea somewhere else, John. <laughs> oh, my God, I've been doing this for about 25 years too. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, but you've... Put it, you've put on you've put on that plus sulfate of ammonia. I mean that's a very fast release as well. So you've double dosed it, my friend. We're always oh. learning, aren't we? 
Um, oh dear! Better go, oh, better go chat to your much. sister. Hey, John. Go to a nursery no, I'm today. Again. <laughs> <laughs> go to a nursery. Go and buy her another silver princess and make your peace. <laughs> Thirteen hundred triple two, seven twenty. I'm sure there are many stories out there about <sighs> times that we've killed each other's I know. plants. But what you know, the thing is that gardeners have to be aware of now. Fast release nitrogen goes straight through the soil system and ends up in all our waterways and that of course you know it's not just people think it's phosphorus only that causes algal blooms but nitrogen is just as big a problem because the nitrogen just goes through really quickly and then we get all these problems in our waterways. So I saw this incredible photo from Melbourne of uh, there's um, a body of water near the Westgate Freeway and that's now turned pink oh, and it's wow. become a tourist attraction of all oh. things. Yeah, it's really strange. Don't know what it's caused by. Right. Yeah. Because usually the pink, you know, the pink lakes down in Esperance, mm, that's mm. actually a bacteria. Yeah. Uh, which is naturally occurring down there. It's not something that... Yeah. from fertiliser use. Yeah, fascinating. Interesting. Stan from Dung Craig, what's happening with your sweaty indoor plant is what our <laughs> producer has written. Ew, that sounds yeah. disgusting. Uh, hi there. Yeah, it, it was pretty unpleasant to wake up the following morning. I've got a, an elephant here in a pot inside the house and I woke up the next morning to find a pool of water underneath the plant oh. and it went all down the walls. But I noticed when I put the plant outside in full shade, it stops sweating and then the water actually comes off the edges of the leaves. Wow. I'm just wondering, is, the, is it because the house is too cool inside and the temperature inside is between 26 to 28 degrees yeah. and maybe the water, water within the plant is being expelled? Can I just say, Sabrina's making a face that I've never seen before <laughs> right now when <laughs> trying to diagnose what's going on with the sweaty plant. That's bizarre. So, so that it's doing it at night time? Yeah, and okay. I can in the morning as well. Okay. So, because that's when the that's when plants that are indoors, well, all plants anyway, um, they release oxygen. So as it's as it's as the stomata are opening up and breathing, the, the me it must be something. It's a I reckon it's a combination of stuff, Stan. It's it got me a little bit intrigued. So you've got the combination of there's no drop in nighttime t- temperature, but they are a tropical plant, so you wouldn't think that that would be a problem. Um, maybe they're too they're not drying out enough, and they're too wet. That's what I'm thinking, which is, so it doesn't, when I put it outside. It doesn't um, do it. In full shade, it doesn't do it. So it's expelling as much moisture as it can when it's opening up stomata to breathe, when it's releasing oxygen, it's getting rid of excess water. And that's probably a survival mechanism because, of course, they can rot very quickly. Yeah, okay. So maybe reduce my watering. Yeah, reduce the watering stand. But, um... I'm going to pitch that one to uh, a Dr. Bugalugs from the Ag Department who will have someone in the Ag Department that will be able to give you a more scientific answer to that question. Mm. Keep in touch, um, Stan. Mm. Let us know uh, how you go with it um, and we'll, we'll address it when Dr. Bugalugs we comes on air. We're now on the home stretch, four minutes to ten. We'll see how many calls we can get through until then. Mary from Mount Barker, good morning. Hi. Uh, Sabrina, um, I've got a native hibiscus, yeah, which is about two meters tall, yeah, 
and it's been absolutely full of flowers and I think it's got about one flower left, but I don't want it to get leggy, so when is the right time to prune it? Now, Mary, within the next four weeks. Oh, good. It's not, yep. not going to be too hot to prune it then? No, no, not at all, Mary, not at all. Oh, thank you. And how much should I cut back? Because it's got all these little shoots like coming along the stems. Yeah, know? but you don't want to take more than 50% off, Mary. All right, Agent 207 on the text line has said, what is this uh, on my... Hang on, I opened the photo too soon. What is this on my palm and what will I do about it? Oh, no, that's naturally occurring. Um, that's what that palm does. It has little black spots. lovely markings on it. That's oh. normal. That's pretty. Do nothing. That's, do nothing. Wow. That's a, that's a Take good. the weekend off. <laughs> that's a really good option. <laughs> uh, let's go to David from Chewett Hill. Good morning, David. Oh, yes. Good morning, ladies. Morning, David. I have, uh, Sabrina, I have a question regarding uh, Nellie Kelly passion fruit. Yeah. Uh, I have one I've put at the front of the house. Yep. It gets lots of sun and it's going quite nicely. The one at the back of the house uh, grows onto a fence. Yeah. And it gets, well, sun won't get the morning sun and it won't get the afternoon sun, but all the midday sun, I guess. Yep. Prior to Christmas, it was extremely vigorous. It's been in for about... Uh, probably 18 months. I put two in initially because I thought they had to cross-pollinate. No, one, they don't. Yep. Uh, good, because one was feral and it was just throwing off all those... Yeah, suckers, bugs. yeah. So, so I got rid of that. It has been so vigorous that I've, uh, I've I checked with my local nursery and they said you can cut it back a bit. I So I did prune it back a bit because it was taking over the house. Yep. I've, I've fertilised it well with pig manure and, and you know, and I keep it well watered. Yep. Prior to Christmas, it was a mass of flowers. Mm, I was yeah. Telling, I was telling family and friends we're going to have passion fruit for Christmas. Yeah. So, so what would you do about it, Sabrina? Um, well, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with it. Uh, we're just we're running short on time, David. What's the actual question? Uh, well, the question is, it's vigorous, but there's no fruit. Ah, okay. So no fruit. All right. So some, so some passion fruit have a tendency to do that more than others. I would make sure that that it's it's getting enough fertilizer. The other passion fruit might be taking, might be robbing that one. So just up the the mineralized based fertilizer that you're putting on it, and you can also give it slow release trace elements as a foliar spray. All right, Pippa from Mount Lawley has sent us a photo of a beautiful rosebud that's been eaten. Yep. In a very systematic way, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, it has. There? I'd say that's grasshoppers or um, locusts or crickets that have gone through there. Uh, and causing this, how do I fix it? Um, Kim from <laughs> Woodvale has sent us a uh, plant that's almost dead. That's a caterpillar that uh, makes lovely little. You've got to prune that off. You can't get to the caterpillar because it's underneath all that little furry house it's made itself. All right, Lisa, you've got 10 seconds. Your fig tree question. Scale on branches and fruit of the fig tree. Okay, you need to get out your uh, eco oil, but not on days when the temperature is above 32 degrees. Jeez, you're good. Uh, Sabrina, um, thank you for coming in today. We'll see you at the Boat Harbour, Hillary's Boat Harbour with Jillo on Wednesday. Have a good long weekend, everyone. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.